When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm enamored with the Callahan hire. Is that what you're saying, Tim? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Uh, uh, you're not enamored with the Callahan hire, or the, uh, not the Callahan, but the McDonald hire, I'm sorry, in Seattle? You know, it's coming out there I, to you guys. Yeah, I think it was a great hire. I actually think it was a great hire. I know we were joking around backstage. I was like, nah, whatever. I was just kidding. It was actually a great hire by Seattle. Um, you know, they, they've they've had old uh, old old man Pete for God knows how long, how many years it's been. And uh He's still also be there too. <laughs> is he, but is he? But is he? It's like saying they you know what, upstairs, it's like Justin, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'll have you do the executive side. But not we don't want to check. Not the fun more stuff time. you want to do, but you can sit behind this desk. Yeah, yeah you can't yeah. go hey. on the call. You can't do any of the fun stuff anymore. But you can do all the like, admin stuff. Yeah, it's like Pete. Here's your nameplate. Hey, he got more time to focus on the Cialis commercials. You feel me? He got more time hey, to, to devil around in that. But between the cap um, restrictions right now, that are that are starting to happen for the. Uh, Ravens between losing McDonald, you know. I mean, this is gonna be interesting to see how they keep all this together. That was a chance to win there. This past one, they'll be all right. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. I think that one of the things that we can't do is fall into the rabbit hole trap that they're going to be down bad and all this and that. Look, man, they 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 know how to produce defensive coordinators like it's nothing, man. This is Rex Mm -hmm. Ryan, Dean Pease. Um, I don't, I think Chuck Bagano once upon a time ago was a defensive coordinator. And he had Wink, obviously Wink Martindale, who Joe Burrow got fired. Thank you so much, Joe. And then obviously now Mike McDonald. So, yeah, those guys know how to produce defensive coordinators. So I'm not really thinking like, oh, my gosh, here's our chance to dominate, dude. It's it's still the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) And if you are a good defensive coordinator, they still got some fun pieces to play with there, right? Definitely. Sure. Um, sure. Speaking of old man, though, Tim, we got another one that still don't have a job. Yeah, old uh, Bill Belichick's roaming the streets of New England, trying to find his way home. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think they stopped selling those uh, home alert bracelets, so you know maybe, maybe somebody will find him in a pub or something somewhere. Put him on a milk carton, huh? <laughs> Man, I, I I don't know. He's got fourteen more games to catch uh, Shula. Yeah, he's got to find a job to get it done. That's at what least jobs? two years the way he's been going. Give and what chance. jobs are left over? What what jobs are left over as head coaches right now? Uh, commanders, I think. Like, yeah, commanders, and I don't That's think it. he wants that job at Short all. Short list. <laughs> yeah, 
And hopefully they give that job to Bienemy. Bienemy deserves a head coaching job. I don't care what anybody says, but he deserves a head coaching job. He certainly he does. I think so too. Hundred percent. They might not have a lot of choices by the time it gets down to it. Slim Pickens, baby. Oh, yeah. They might be turned around looking at the line. It might be like two, three guys. Not a lot of people. And, and it's weird because all that ownership changing and I mean, yeah. Magic Johnson being there at the games and all that kind of jazz, everything he seems to touch turns into gold. I'm surprised that that, that wasn't more. I'm shocked that the Carolina Panthers filled their position before the the Washington Commanders did. Like it, it baffles my mind. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start the show. Welcome to Running Through the Jungle. Uh, I'm here with your hosts, Justin Lacey, Tim Lyons, Chase Younts, and I am Brandon Harriet. We have the full crew on staff for you today as we go into the break between championship uh, games and the Super Bowl. And we will get into those games a little bit. We will talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Bengals, what's going on around the team right now. And uh, we'll allude to some of the things that we're going to cover as we go down into the offseason. You know, I'm really looking forward to this offseason. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of pieces I think that we can really make some big impact with. But before we get into those things, we got to start with the championship games. So we're going to do a recap on the championship games. Uh, Justin, I will start with you, man. What was your first take on the championship games? Just uh, in general, overall AFC championship uh, with the Baltimore Ravens just seemed to shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, let's start with that. And then if you want to go into the NFC and the Detroit Lions shooting themselves in the foot, feel free. Overall, I thought the championship game weekend window was really good football. You know, it was a lot better than what we've been getting for the first two weekends with the wild card weekend and the divisional round. I thought that even though the score was lower scoring with the Chiefs and Ravens game, it was still a nice hard-fought defensive battle game that came down, it felt like, to the very end. The game was not over. Um, as far as the NFC Championship game, it was a little bit more higher scoring. But once again, great football, man. You saw great football in both afternoon windows. I mean, I'm sorry, both windows. But, but I will start with the AFC Championship game first. Um, let's start off with the Chiefs side of things. You got to tip your cap for them be able to pull off another Super Bowl appearance in a season where it was basically a down year for them. They looked at bad on offense all season long. Travis Kelsey, we felt like that he lost a step. He turned right back into Travis Kelsey that day specifically, and he he played like a man possessed out there. 11 for 11 for 116 yards and a touchdown. You can't say enough things about him. He obviously is going to be a future Hall of Fame tight end, probably first ballot. 
we know what Mahomes is and what he's what he's capable of doing. It just shows the rallying magic that Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, that even when those guys are on the field, nothing's never out or in doubt with them. So, And they proved that they're just still the big dogs and they're still the gauntlet. For the Ravens side of things, I just felt like that this was a complete missed opportunity for them. Um, they tried to play the bully ball approach, and they get, they didn't anticipate them getting bullied themselves. The Chiefs was ready for it. They tailored their game plan to play exactly the style of football that they were ready to get ready to go up against. They knew what kind of environment they was, but they weren't phased. They're not scared about it. But Lamar Jackson didn't play well at all, and he's not above criticism at this point just because he's about to win his second MVP in his six-year career so far. Um, it, it, and at this point, who cares? I mean, respect to you and respect to Lamar and his talent, but that defense was pretty much just outstanding for them, and they can't, had an obvious chance to come back and win that game. But Lamar J Jackson just kept putting the ball into difficult ways. He he almost played like he was spooked. And that should show you that playing in a championship game in the playoffs when you're deep in the postseason like this, it's not easy. I've always felt like that the Chiefs I – mean, I'm sorry. I've always felt like that the Ravens – really got fortunate with the ball bouncing their way down the stretch in their dominant wins. People just couldn't see it because the scores were so lopsided. But this championship game, the Chiefs really exposed a lot of that. And I saw that come to fruition on Championship Sunday. Now, when we go to the NFC side, I thought Detroit was going to win, bro. I'm not going to lie. I thought Detroit was going to win at the halftime score. All the momentum carried that way. They were up 24-7. to And then the second half happened. But – this is not so much about Detroit melting down in pure fashion like everybody keeps saying it is, but instead what I'm going to take the approach of Brock Purdy played like the quarterback that you always wanted to see when you had all these concerns. Everybody saying that he was carried by his weapon, CMC, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Yes, we know that. Great offensive line, great defense. They have everything that you need to win it all for the 49ers. But – Brock Purdy did his thing. He he put that team on his back. He made throws when it mattered. He ran the ball when it mattered. He didn't care how it looked. He just wanted to do everything he needed to do to help his team win the game, and they did ultimately win the game. Yes, the luck factor came into play there for them with, you know, tip passes, getting caught, um, the fumble, the two drop passes by the Detroit Lions. And stuff. It, all came to, it all came to head. Yes, it did, and they all factored together. But the, I got to tip my cat off to Brock, Brock Purdy, man. He played really well. You know, he played like he really wanted his team to be there. That he looked like, bro, if we don't get this done now, I don't know if we're going to get ever get it done. Kyle Shanahan, he played like that. He wanted to win that game for Kyle Shanahan. And that's 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 the kind of player that you want leading the helm. And everybody almost kind of helped bring that along. So it also said that and also showed that both teams that won the games deserve to be here on this stage. Yeah. So that's my full takeaway from the both championship games, the Chiefs and Ravens, Detroit and 49ers games. Both were great games. They were hard fought and they could have been a little bit more exciting, but hey, I'm not going to get greedy, man. I saw some good football game, man. So I'm I'm tipping the cap to both the Niners and the Chiefs. They deserve to be in the Super Bowl. Now, I want to thank all three of you for holding it down last week as my day job ran into my night job. Uh, and I had some business to take care of. I did listen to the show, and I think there was one of you that had the Chiefs winning. Am I am I right about that? You want, you want to take that lap now, Justin? The, we all picked the Ravens. We all picked the oh, Ravens to win the game. But, I thought you picked the but, Chiefs. 
I didn't. I picked the Ravens, but what I did would say is I didn't want to bet against Mahomes because uh -huh. I just felt them. That was my gut telling me that I should go with the Chiefs because they've been here before. They have experience. But nonetheless, I was like, it's to feel like it's the Ravens time. They're the best team right now. They've shown it. And it's, I still I couldn't was I didn't want to pick against the Chiefs, but I still wasn't quite. So that's what I was kind of inching towards. But. Yeah. I, I feel your sentiment there because I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl going into the playoffs. And then when they gave uh, Patrick Mahomes four and a half points, I said, that's too much. Give me that bet. Come here. <laughs> so a great uh, Chase, value bet. Yeah, value bet. That's it. Chase, uh, I'm going to bring it over to you. What was your takeaway from these championship games, my man? Uh, keep it kind of short. Um, when it comes to the AFC championship, uh, you know, I'll take, you know, fandom out of it and everything but i uh you know thought it was a very good football game it was you know a hard fought in the trenches uh game that was won by the kansas city chiefs uh you know both teams didn't run for 100 yards so you could say oh it wasn't really in the trenches well it kind of was because both teams were able to, to to halt the run game and everything else but to get on with this patrick mahomes is that dude travis kelsey showed up when he needed to show up and showed why He's one of the top tight ends to ever play the game of football. I mean, you can even take the label of tight end off if you want. He's just a ridiculous pass catcher that happened to be 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, that went to uh, UC, I'll say. All right, shout out there. But, um, you know, for him, uh, you know, for the Chiefs, this was big because, you know, they got a chance to go to Super Bowl and try to, you know, cement themselves as a dynasty and stuff. But the Ravens, on the other hand, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about this is one of their best shots for in a while. You know, it's, you know they were the number one overall seed. A lot of quarterbacks got hurt. A lot of teams were were playing a little bit down. The Ravens were blowing out people left and right, and they had the opportunity to play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home, and they just weren't able to come up with it. Uh, I don't know what Todd Monkton was doing with his play calling when you know running backs only carried the ball six times in this game. Still blows my mind to this point when you know. It was. I went back and watched some film. There was a lot of even boxes. They could have ran the ball and took advantage of some things, but again, that's going to be a mystery as old as time as, as as we move forward. So again, just a little confused on the Ravens' end of it, and the Chiefs just came up and and, and won the football game. And we're the better team on Sunday. The NFC side of things, um, I watched the game with my brother. He's a huge Lions fan. I, I feel really bad for for Detroit fans and everything it, for in the game. All right. Their season, this is one of the best seasons they've had. Uh, well, in the Super Bowl era, this is the best season they have ever because they got to the NFC Championship I compared with them in, in the 91-92 season. But they got to the NFC Championship game. You know, they, they, they were controlling this thing in the first half. They were moving the football every which way possible. They were controlling the line of scrimmage. They were able to set up play action, and they did a really good job of that. And that's, those were a couple of those keys to win the football game. But once we got more in the second half, you kind of see Detroit got flustered and the Niners started to turn things on. They were off the entire game. When the Niners turn things on, they're a tough team to stop regardless of who you are. And again, I agree with Justin. I think the bigger story is Brock Purdy being able to turn it up and, you know, be a big time player in that big time moment. The guys around him rallied, but Brock Purdy rose to the occasion. I thought some coaching, you know, decisions from Dan Campbell weren't the best, but again, the lions got there by gambling and, you know, if you gamble so much, you will lose sometime. And it just so happened that the Lions lost in that point. But, I mean, it was a hell of a season for the Lions and for the Niners. I mean, we were talking about this on our sh on, on my show earlier um, with me and, me and Justin. 
I mean, if the Niners would have lost this game, we'd be having a different conversation about two teams that lost at home in the in the conference championship, whose loss would be worse. And yeah. then we'd have a very interesting conversation about it. But uh nonetheless, though, tip of the cap to the Niners, the Chiefs, it was a heck of a, you know, heck of a Sunday to watch these games and uh, you know, excited to see what happens in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a good point. I I, I didn't think about that. Uh old Dan Gamble, though, man. Woo! <laughs> Live by a sword, you die by a sword, I guess. Tim, what was your takeaway on these two championship games? You know, one team's got to win. You know, I know I picked the Bengals or excuse me, the Ravens to win it all. Um, yeah, I was confident that, you know, the AFC North was going to win a, a Super Bowl this year. But I still think the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, Mahomes and Kelsey, you know, they're they're a one-two punch, you know. Yeah. What else can you say? They actually, Mahomes is, I always say he's the Michael Jordan of today's decade, or, or excuse me, of today's football. Because, you know, he last year he had his flu game with his high ankle sprain, you know, all playoff long, and he goes to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl. Mahomes this year, you know, he, he's had a struggle. He's struggled this year. You know, they have had struggles throughout the whole, um, the whole team, you know, but that defense has been probably the best defense that Mahomes has had to back up for him, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Travis Kelsey's no doubt, like you guys said, he's no doubt. He, he, he is a future Hall of Famer, first ballot, you know. Um, there's nothing nothing to argue about there. Um, better team won, and, you know, unfortunately the Ravens, when it came time to, to win the football game, you know, whoever puts the most points up wins the game, and that was the Chiefs. Um, for the Detroit Lions and the uh, 49ers game, you know, I, I thought for sure the, for, the the Lions had that game. I was, like, positive they were going to win that game. And then I was getting text messages, oh, you see this game, and I'm just starting to think. You know, guys, there's four quarters in a football game. Anything can happen. And I know I've been dogging on Brock Purdy and the 49ers because, you know, I'm here in the West Coast. I hear 49ers this, 49ers that, Seahawks this. Seahawks that I, I, I get tired of hearing them. Um, but, you know, the 49ers fans, a lot of, you know, if you saw on Twitter, they were talking a lot of crap about the Detroit Lions. You know, unfortunately, the Detroit Lions blew their lead and, you know, and lost the game. And like I said with Purdy, Purdy, I'm on the fence with him right now. You know, yeah, last week I said he's a he's a game manager. Now he's starting to look like, He's a – I'm not saying he's on the level of Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, but he's starting to tippy-toe into that section to where he can actually lead a comeback drive or comebacker and win the game. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, they're playing against the Chiefs, so we'll see. Yeah, I'll uh, – Mike. Quick synopsis on this. Uh, I'll start with the Detroit Lions and the uh, the 49ers. You know, I said going into that game, and if you listen to Pay Dirt, I had pretty good money on David Montgomery uh, over, I think he was 40-some yards. I don't really remember the exact number because he had it at halftime. Um, the styles that the 49ers got ran on this year, were guys like Zach Charbonnet for over six yards of carry, for um, Connor from 
Arizona over eight yards to carry. Like those are the guys that I thought David Montgomery's style was a lot alike. And I thought that he was going to have good success. With them. They, they kept trying to feature uh, Jameer Gibbs and I get it. J Jameer Gibbs is the quicker player. You, you know, you think you're going to be more splash players and more um, splash plays from him, but not the way the defense where the 49ers is set up. They're set up with guys, Fred Warner and those guys run sideline to sideline as fast as any team on defense in the league. They're really good at that. You got to hit them between the eyes. Jameer Gibbs averaged 3.8 yards a carry, where David Montgomery was 6.2 yards. And, he, he, you know, the catching the ball out of the backfield, 3.7 yards a catch for Jameer Gibbs versus 10 yards a catch for Montgomery. Either way you look at it, I thought they should have feed, fed the bell cow and really stayed true to that, controlling the offensive line and, and running, the, running the damn ball, as Tim says. Um, when you go over to the AFC side of it, it listen, if you hold Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the boys to 17 points, you're supposed to win that game. End of story. Now, I think they made the adjustments. They ran the ball. They checked the ball down. He had 39 attempts for 241 yards to Patrick Mahomes. So they weren't taking the big shots. They were controlling the ball, throwing the bubble screens and doing all those things they needed to do to control the game and win the game. Um, but my take up watching those four quarterbacks, and I kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago and who was left in the AFC and NFC. My biggest takeaway from this playoff, I want to hear about your Mount Rushmore or your elite five quarterbacks. There's two. There's two in this league that can go out there and win the Super Bowl for you. And I think we've got one of them. I think it's Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Thank you. Joe Burrow's the only one to beat that man. In the, in the playoffs. Right. So that's my take on it. I can't wait to have the man back healthy and get after it again uh, because that, that was that was really my biggest takeaway from it was sure. we, have the, we, we have the only guy that's that good. We have yeah. him. I watch him. Let me, so, let me also say this, though. Let me also mm -hmm. say this, and then we can go on to the next topic here. You're going to hear all the conversation and all the talk, people disrespecting Joe. We've been already hearing it so far, but it's going to continue all throughout the off season. Off season, as fans, let's just put that stuff to the side. We don't need to worry about people's power rankings of the quarterbacks and none of that stuff. We're going to see people insert Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, maybe even Jalen Hurts or C.J. Stroud, and they're going to try their damnness to Wrong. to try to rank those guys over Burrow. But just what you just said right there, and I'm glad you showed that graphic. We know we got that dude, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I feel like I've got the, the only noise. one that can go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Actions be louder than words. There yeah. you go. All right, so we're going to do the Super Bowl preview preview because obviously we're going to preview the Super Bowl. Next week we'll get into a little more detailed matchups, yada, yada, yada. But we have the Chiefs and 49ers in Las Vegas. I think I – think if the NFL scripted, they probably 
did not want Detroit going to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. It could have been wild. Um, my, shout out to my Detroit players. Uh, but I just want to know your first kind of reaction to this Super Bowl. First overall reaction and what you're looking forward to going into this Super Bowl. Tim, we'll run it back with you. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Patrick Mahomes does against the 49ers defense. The 49ers defense, you know, they they they've been playing excellent ball all year long. Um then also, you know, seeing what CMC is going to do. You know, like I was just thinking, I was like, you know, Kansas City has the the better quarterback. 49ers have the better running back. Wide receiver wise, 49ers have probably the better have, well, they do have the better wide receiver core, but Mahomes has got the better tight end. Um, defensive wise, I won't say they match up, you know, the same because, you know, Kansas City, they don't have Fred Turner, you know, they don't, or Fred Warner. I'm sorry, Fred, Fred, Fred Warner. They don't have Bosa. They don't have Chase uh, Young. Um, but that defense on the Kansas City side, has been playing great, great football. They they have they they've been they've been playing good football all year long, and statistically even in, better than the 49ers. Right. So you know, and look what look what they did to the the Ravens on last Sunday. You know, they put Lamar Jackson in check. They shut down the run game to where they're on like I, Chase or Justin said. The other ran the ball six freaking times. Like who who does that? You know. But anyways, besides the point. But I'm I'm looking. I want to see this matchup, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping for an AFC win for the Super Bowl. All right, Chase. All right. Well, couple couple things, really brief. Um, you know, I'm excited for the I'm excited for this matchup to an extent. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl. It's a big time. It's the best player in football versus the best team in football that's left. You know, I know. The Niners are stacked. They are loaded. The Chiefs got a guy named Patrick Mahomes. This is the classic where it's like, man, one player can make a difference against a great team like this. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, I don't want to, you know, speak this into existence or anything like that, which, you know, I'm knock on this wood that this desk is. Um, the last time these two teams played each other, it was going into 2020. And uh, yeah, we had that happen. But hopefully that doesn't happen again. All right. That throw that out there. But another thing, very underlying story, you know, storyline is the fact that, you know, a former head coach in Steve Wilkes is taking on a former head coach in Steve Spagnolo. Two Steves, double the fun. This is exciting to see these two defensive coordinators go at it because Spags had a really good game plan last week against the Ravens, and he's gonna have to have his hands full this week. Not necessarily Brock Purdy being the essence or level of Lamar Jackson, but you still got to account to him. You still got to account to all of all of the weapons that they have. And then on the side of it for Steve Wilkes, it's Patty Mahomes, man. You got to worry about Patty Mahomes. You can't let the run game get going with Isaiah Pacheco or whoever they decide to run out there. And, you know, you guys got to turn up. So that's the first matchup that I'm looking at right now, besides players and stuff, are the two defensive coordinators. Who's going to have a better game plan and who's going to be able to have their guys step up and, and make plays in, in the big moments. 
So that's all I got. All right. Your first, uh, your first thoughts here, Justin. Tell you the first thought that I have when uh, before the games were even kicked off for championship weekend, everybody's always seen on already seen on Twitter. You know that that color graphic meme of the logos about like pointing out, oh, look at the color of this team and this team. They happen to represent the Super Bowl, and look at the color of the logo of the Super Bowl. No purple. And the, and the graphic this year is red and purple, and everybody thought they they can just like. There needs to be this some Illuminati stuff going on here. Like you, you, you probably the rate, and I think that's what's kicking the Ravens in the head even more because they really felt like it was destined based off of that, that that logic. But the other red team, being the Chiefs, meets the other red team, and that's the 49ers. So, um, I, I just thought that was a little bit funny about like how that that whole Illuminati theory was debunked right off of that after the championship games here, but. The number one story is going to be talked about is the Chiefs and the dynasty talk. Let's just call it what it is. But what I have been pretty much kind of saying a little bit is that while that's going to be the talk all week long, if you're a Chiefs, you got to understand something, dude. You got Patrick Mahomes, but you're inevitably going to always be here. You know what I mean? So you don't really have to feel that pressure that you got to encapsulate the dynasty right now because you lost the Super Bowl after you winning the Super Bowl. In 2021, you lost, I'm sorry, 2019, you lost in 2020 to Tampa Bay. And much like to the chagrin of even though you lost to Tom Brady on the other side in Tampa, that Tampa Bay team was not as good as the Chiefs team that year, and you still lost. This time around, I caution Chiefs fans to just automatically write in Patrick Holmes in his three rings because that's probably what you're doing right now. Because this 49ers team is a little bit more experienced than the time that they lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs in 2019. And I think that the 49ers, it just feels like that they want to get the Super Bowl win for Kyle Shanahan. Because when you think of Kyle Shanahan right now, it's NFC Championship heartbreaks, but it's also 28-3 to in the Super Bowl against Brady back in 2016 with the Falcons. They don't want him to keep on reliving that moment, and they don't want to probably only the one real way to get that off of his back is to win this Super Bowl against a future Hall of Famer and Pat Mahomes himself. So it, it, that's the that's the number one thought on my mind. But going into the, the intricacies of the matchups, it's going to be really, really good to see these two teams line up again. Um, at, you know, we already talked about the roster with the 49ers. They got names all over the place, dogs all over the place. And at the end of their careers, you'll see a few of those guys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. On the defensive line by itself, you got Javon Hargrave, you got obviously Nick Bosa, and you also got, um, you know, we mentioned Chase Young. But the problem is, oh, Javon Kinlaw, well, I forgot about him too. But the issue with the 49ers defense is that, with their pass rush more specifically, is that they haven't been playing great football like they should be based on the names that they got on that D-line. It's literally only been just Nick Bosa and nobody else. Chase Young has kind of looked like a regular guy out there. And his, it feels like that his effort is not, you know, coming out, coming alive. Like There's we talk saw of him getting year. benched because he's taking too many, too many plays off. I saw that too. And then there was a play that, uh, that I was like, I can't believe that. Then somebody shared a picture of one of uh, – I can't remember who got the touchdown – but Chase Young could have been right there to make an effort play. He didn't even touch the guy. And I was like, oh, I see what they're talking about now. That's concerning to me because you can't do that kind of stuff against Patrick Mahomes. You can't do that stuff against Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco 
he may look like a stutter step running back that, you know, just pitter patter just to get two yards, but the dude runs like a bull. And you don't want to do play that, pull that kind of effort. And remind you, you still lost to the Chiefs last year after you made the Christian McCaffrey trade. So you're not out of the woods thinking that you're going to get this team beat this time around. It's like the Utah Jazz versus the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, late 90s. You know, the Utah Jazz, the second time they played each other, they didn't feel the allure of, oh, my gosh, it's Michael Jordan and all this. They got John Stockton and the MVP, Carl Malone. Bro, they're not worried about – they wasn't worried about that, but they still lost. Just because you're looking across the field and seeing, like, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey, and Andy Real, oh, my God. No, I got my dogs, too. Yeah, you're going to think that, but you got to actually go out there and play like it. You know what I mean? Because I, I will still stand on this. The 49ers have not been impressive up to this point, and I was really worried about it. Yes, I'm – yes – Congratulations, tip the captain them to finally getting the dub. But at the end of the day, while I still feel good about their chances of winning this game, at the same time, I still don't. And, not, and it ain't going to get any easier for you, man, because, again, they chasing that dynasty, bro. They trying to get ring number three up in Kansas City. So a lot of pressure feels like it's going to be on San Francisco to not, not be that team that the Chiefs get win number, ring number three on. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my little synopsis here based upon what I heard from you guys' show last week. If I would have been on your on your uh, show last week when you talked about the trenches and grading the trenches, I would have been really hard on them. Defense more than offense, but I'm not impressed by either one. I think we got a lot to fix in there and, and uh, really dig in this offseason. Draft, free agency, I think it's going to have to be a mix of the two. That said... Well, I watch all four of those teams play. And I watch a, a, a Kansas City Chiefs team who barely beat us with Jake Browning. And I watch a 49ers team, which, yes, minus Debo, we throttled when we had the big three healthy. We're going to be in these things, man. Regardless if if we're we're a D rating or a D plus rating or a C minus rating on our offensive or defensive lines, we're gonna be in these things. When Joe Burrow said the window is his uh tenure or his career at the Bengals, I love the machismo when I first heard it. I'm a hundred percent bought into it now, without a doubt. So that's my takeaway from the Super Bowl is that we belong with these teams. So that said, we're going to have a quick break here, and then we're going to start talking about Bengals stuff on the Bengals channel. So while we take this break, we'll pay some bills. If you're listening to us on uh, Apple or Google for a couple more months or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, go ahead and uh, hit those first subscribe. Share us with a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And if you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up and you know what to do with sharing us with those friends. Keep building this. We uh, we love to bring you more things, more content. We got more shows coming up in the off season. We got some cool stuff coming out for you. So we appreciate you taking it, doing your part for running through the jungle. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to running through the jungle. You've got the whole crew here, Justin Lacey, Tim Lyons, Chase Younts, and, of course, myself, Brandon Harriet. I should have, of course, when I was the one that wasn't here last week. But uh, I digress. 
So we're going to get into some Bengals talk here for you. First thing I wanted to, to shoot up here is the impact of Brian Callahan. So I had an interesting take on this. I heard you guys talk about it a little bit with him going to the Titans. But, but I got a question for you, and it's, do you think it's a bigger impact negatively to lose uh, Callahan to the Titans? Or do you think it might be, which is kind of a take I'm taking now, in the long run for the culture and the things here that an NFL lineage coach with the pedigree that Callahan has had a very touching um, press conference when he was announced as the Titans coach where he talked glowingly um, about the Cincinnati Bengals organization, ownership, family, coaching staff, and all those kind of things. Chase, I'm going to throw that over to you. What's your take on that? Um, do, you, do you think that might actually be a, a net positive in the long run? Yeah, I, I, I thought that, you know, losing Brian Callahan sucks, but I it, it's, you know, he was a really intricate part of the Bengals over the last five years or so from, you know, whoever, you know, just from 2019 to 2023, we've come a long way. But the fact that he is now in Tennessee, that he is the first, he's one of the first coordinators to get a head coaching job from Cincinnati since Hugh Jackson, you know, like he, it's been a minute since the guy's gotten a, a chance to become a head coach. And it normally like has to be good in order for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, and and the thing is, like you know that that shows a testament to you know it, it does show a testament to the Bengals and it shows testament to Brian Count. It, it, this this whole thing it's very positive because he's getting an opportunity. What has been shown is not just Joe Burrow's success, but what Jake Browning has also was able to do this past season. You know, Brian Callahan, as a coach, had, you know, he had to have some sort of an impact as well. So I, I just think this whole thing was very positive overall, you know, with the fact of, okay, guys are getting promoted, guys are getting opportunities to become head coaches. And, you know, when people are getting prone to become head coaches, we got to find offensive coordinators. And we found one in Dan Pitcher who seems to be ready for the job from what's been coming out of, you know, the front office. So, you know, promotions help everybody, it seems like. So hopefully it works out for everybody in the long run and stuff. But, you know, I'm happy for Callahan. And he had a big impact. And I think, you know, it's going to raise – I think it's going to also raise the competitive level. Be like, hey, for Dan Pitcher, you know, I want to help this team out. I want to try to win. And I want to get myself a head coaching job in the future. So I think the competitive level will go up with these coaches. But I think it will be a good sense and a good, you know, nucleus of competitiveness – that'll help the Bengals out and hopefully try to help this thing go forward. All right. We'll throw it over to you, Justin. Uh, you share the same thoughts or got, got something else you want to add to that? 100%. This is all about Zach Taylor and the development from his culture from day one. I'm so happy for Brian Callahan. There's not a single hating jealous bone in my body is because I, at first I just didn't think that Brian Callahan offered much value because he wasn't really calling plays. It felt like that he was an offensive coordinator working from home. That's what I was always joking around with over the last few years. But he offered so much impact that nobody really talked about or nobody really knew about. 
and how Zach Taylor has always cultivated that culture is always being very collaborative, working together, even though he may be the one calling plays. But the vast amount of input that Brian Callahan had on the offensive side of the ball was extreme. And he's also showed that he can be a leader of men, somebody that you can rally around and talk to if you ever have questions about a play call or a play design or anything like that. He was an open door. He was an open book. You know, I've heard about I've heard him talk about these things many a times when he was on other people's podcasts, like namely, let's go ahead and name drop the Locked On Bengals podcast, because that's the main show that he has always appeared on. And my takeaways from him is he's he's always locked in the football day in and day out. Like it's almost like you if you have a question and concern about one thing and it's like, why ain't the Bengals doing this? He's able to answer it in such a smooth and symbolic way. I don't even know how to say that word. I'm not even going to try that big word that I was trying to say, but you guys get it. Symbolic? He would, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he would He would answer it in such a such a phenomenal way that it almost calmed you down. Like, everything's going to be okay. When the offense was struggling, and then that Seattle game, even though we won, he, you know, we went to the bye week, and we had questions. We were upset. We were pissed off and whatnot. But we also saw Joe Burrow pissed off about it. And Zach, I'm sorry, not Zach. Brian Callahan voiced his frustration about it, too, on the Locked On Bengals podcast. That was the last time we even heard from him before, obviously, going back into the season. Then look, look at what ended up happening against the 49ers right out of the bye on the road. We dominated. And it showed that this team was going to finally find their niche here and start to kind of kill it the rest of the way. We already know about the injuries and stuff. But it really just showed to me that Brian Callahan had his foot in, had his hand involved a hell of a lot more than what we've realized that just because he's not doing it the the cool hip sexy way of calling plays you know being a super offensive genius and whatnot that's the overrated factor of an offensive coordinator as I what I've come to learn about the the guys that really call plays from the sidelines are really involved in that responsibility because of the head coach and let's say like if it's Bill Belichick He's a defensive head coach. He's going to hire some guy that actually runs the offensive side of the ball, just and vice versa. If you're an offensive head coach, you're going to hire a defensive coordinator that's going to be on the sidelines to run the entire defense. It's almost like you got two head coaches, one for offense and one for defense, depending on how you gauge your head coaching tree for that. But this is 100% based on the collaborative coaching staff that Zach Taylor has implemented within the Bengals culture. And that's what I also took away from Brian Callahan when he gave his press conference is that he wants to replicate his experiences here of how much he loved coming to work today, like every day when he was a Bengals coordinator and how much everybody just enjoyed being around each other. He wanted to repeat that for the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to be interested and intrigued to see how that works out, because I think highly of him. I think Tennessee is a great landing spot for him. They're going to have some really nice pieces to work off of. And he's a really damn good coach. Again, like I said, he's that calming force. He's a very change of pace type of guy, different from Mike Vrabel. He ain't trying to be Mike Vrabel. And I think that they're not going to force him to be that way of somebody that he's not. And I'm, in, I'm really just overall just happy for him. And you can tell that he was so appreciative of his time in Cincinnati. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like a forced thank you that he wrote on the paper. It was genuine, his real feelings. And honestly, for all the people on the outside and even on the inside of Bengals fandomness, they need to really see that Mike Brown always cared this entire time, that he wasn't cheap old Mikey boy that everybody referred him to in the inner city here, that he was always, always about his people and always about winning. Tim, you got uh, something to add to that? Not really. 
Not <laughs> really. Both, I think they both they both touched bases, but you know, I'm happy to see that Brian Callahan, you know, got this promotion in this head coaching position. It's well deserved. Um, it's happy. I'm happy to see that the Cincinnati Bengals organization and the Bengals way is, you know, something that's talked about positively, you know, because after all these years of, you know, the Marvin Lewis days and, you know, it was hard to be a Bengals fan because the Bengals way was, you know, yeah, there's a lot of crap talking about Mike Brown and the Brown family about, you know, they don't want to spend money and all this other stuff. Um, but, it, but it is, it's great to see that Brian Callahan is getting this opportunity and I wish him luck in the world and, uh, let's go Bengals when it comes to, to beating the Titans next, <laughs> next year. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to go at this a little bit different and kind of what led me into this question about, could this actually be a net positive for the Bengals going forward? talking about culture right and you talk about mike brown and and people out there having that perception of the bengals being cheap quote unquote when you're doing guaranteed contracts and you got to remember i mean we can roll it back to carson palmer when he was the highest paid player in the nfl i mean the bengals have given those contracts but you have to put you know that money that guaranteed money in escrow so that starts locking some of what you can do around the other things for years, I think what what actually was affected by that was not the players themselves getting the money, but the facilities around the stadium, right? We always heard that we were behind on facilities and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Where I think you've seen that change is, you know, with the Blackburn and, and this next generation of, of, you know, the family, um, the Brown family, you know, running and getting in more involved in this, you've seen Paycor Stadium now, right? They're, they're selling name rights. They're getting money generated through other things. They're thinking a little more outside the box. And you're seeing that money all get invested back into the team, into the team facilities. As soon as they were voted, you know, worst weight room facility, they build a new weight room. You know what I mean? Like indoor practice facilities. You've seen these things come. So I think that was a big change in the culture. Burrow, obviously, a big change in the culture. Then you start stacking these chips. Orlando Brown Jr. comes to the Bengals for less money than he was offered because he wants to come play with Joe Burrow. He wants to come play for this organization. Then you see Joe Burrow getting hurt. You know, in years past, I would expect the Bengals to roll over and play dead. Look for those belly pats, you know. This Bengals team didn't do that. They, you know, fought, scrapped, and clawed and almost made it into the playoffs. Um, And now that Callahan reaction, I think, is another chip when you have somebody that, you know, Bill Callahan, his dad was a head coach, and and hopefully uh, Brian takes him from the Cleveland Browns as his offensive line coach over to Tennessee. That'd be great. He did, actually. He did. Did he? I didn't see that. That's perfect. Take him away from them. They've had a pretty good – line over the past few years and get him out of the division. Um, but, but I want to like that kind of lineage, having that reaction to, to the Cincinnati Bengals organization, I think could be a net positive going forward because it just speaks to more of the culture snowballing in the right direction. I love it. So we will transition from that 
over to the replacement for Brian Callahan. I think no secret to anybody or surprise to anybody. Uh, we had Dan Pitcher named OC succession plan. Uh, other than the fact that Joe Burrow likes him, which was my number one <laughs> takeaway from it. Mm. What else did we see from it, Tim? You saved all your opinions for this one, I'm guessing, so I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, so Dan Pitcher, I had no clue who this cat was, to be honest with you. I actually had to do some research on him, and I was looking at him. I was like, okay, he was a wide receiver coach. He was a you know quarterback coach some, somewhere else. He was an offensive assistant under Marvin Lewis, offensive assistant under Zach Taylor. Then they promoted him to quarterback coach, and then now here we are as an OC for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm going to agree with Brandon. Hey, if Joe Burrow says that this guy's good, he's good with me. You know, my question though is: is what are we going to see in the in the time to come? I've seen that. Uh, you know, he he's talking about he wants to improve the run game. Um, so that's a plus for me. I want to see the run. I want to I want to see that ball being ran 20, 25 times a game. You know, that's what I want to see. Um, and also, my other question is this is, I saw reports of Zach Taylor was stating that he was going to let Brian Callahan call the offense next year. Well, Brian Callahan is no longer with us. So, is Dan Pitcher going to be calling the offense this coming year? I, I guess we'll have to wait thought. and see. What's that? I had the same thought, man. Yeah. Because so, I was looking forward yeah. to that opportunity, maybe. Yeah, you know, and I was looking at because, like, I, 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 I'm being honest to the point with you guys. Like, I had no idea who Dan Pitcher was. I knew but, of him, but I didn't know what he was calling on his... third down plays. Yeah, which I, I didn't know any of that. No it blew clue. my mind when I found it out last year. I was like, Yeah, wait, wait, yeah. Zach Taylor calls the plays, but not on third down. Like, uh, that makes no sense to me. Wild, right? Yeah, and you know, and like for us is. You know, our OC is up in the box. You know, is is Dan going to be up in the box or is he going to be down on the field? A lot of questions. You know, so, but I'm also excited. My biggest excitement, though, is is to see what our offense is going to evolve into because, you know, we, we've had this for the last couple of years of shotgun formations. We know, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time when we're in a shotgun formation, what are we going to do? We're going to throw the ball. So, you know, is Dan Pitcher going to bring in some different schemes, some different looks? You know, is he going to get creative with the ball? I'm not saying that he has to be Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm hoping – I'm just excited to see what he's going to bring to, to our organization. Yeah, and, and, and also, if he wants to do that running the football and uh, play action, which he talked about, the, you know, that kind of an offense, yeah. that look has to have a tight end that can do both things. It's got to be a mm -hmm. receiver – and a blocker. Right now, we have a blocker or a receiver, not an and. So right. I, I think that's got to be addressed too. Chase, uh, what were your takes on uh, Dan Pitcher OC secession plan? I'm excited to see what he can build off of. I'm excited to see what new that he could bring. Uh, you know, with an extended role as the OC of the Bengals. Um, again, I think you make a really good point, uh, Beater, about having a guy. You know, at that tight end position, who not a run, you know, can he can he block or catch, but having you know, just having multiple guys, having a multiple, you know, a utility belt to say the least, having a lot of guys there that can do a lot of different things, having depth. But 
a, a big thing of mine is um, you're talking about calling plays on third down and everything. The Bengals this year on third down uh, converted 37% of the time. That was uh, 9% down from the year before in uh, 2022 when they converted on 46% of their third downs. They're one of the best third down teams in football in 2022. That's a big thing that the Bengals want to try to get back to. If they're able to have an efficient run game, and I'm not saying they have to they have to turn into the Ravens or the Browns and run the football for 160. I mean, I like it, but you know, the thing is, like, if they're able to have an efficient enough run game and get into those manageable third and shorts, you can vary it up. You can play action, you can go on the gun, you can just, you know, you know, tool things to death for other teams. And they're like, man, I don't know what these guys are gonna do. So just being able to have enough utility belts, I would say, and being able to use them correctly will be a big thing because I know that, you know, obviously I've never been an offensive coordinator or anything like that, but you have so many weapons, you know, you can get enamored by a lot of them and just knowing when to use those guys in the right spot and just getting the call, you know, a flow of the game and everything is going to be a big thing. I'm excited to see what Dan's able to do in those first couple of games, see what this Bengals offense looks like. Love it. Justin, what's your takes on Dan Pitcher, VOC? So I'm not going to repeat any, everything that both Tim and Chase had already stated because they pretty much just covered all the grounds with that. I will say that Dan Pitcher made the smart decision in choosing to come back to Cincinnati, and that's why this whole thing feels different in a positive manner when it comes to the impact of Brian Callahan based off of Zach Taylor's culture. Dan Pitcher chose to stay here. He wanted to hitch his wagon to Joe Burrow. He, he knows that his best opportunities – of making a great impact is staying here. Okay. Because I mean, he had interviews and he had to do his due diligence to see how the rounds would have played out. But I think they all along, he already knew, man, I'm, I'm staying in Cincinnati, but I'm gonna go to LA. I'm gonna go to Vegas. I'm gonna do listen to this interview. I'm gonna go to new Orleans. I'm listening to the interview. I'm gonna go to new England. I'm gonna listen to this. I'm gonna do what I needed to do just to do my due diligence. Just like the Bengals had to do their due diligence with Andy Dickerson, the O-line coach and a running back running game coordinator coach uh for the Seahawks. You know, he's getting the nickname Bob Ross because of the hairstyle. They had to do their due diligence, but they all knew all along Dan Pitcher was the guy. And quite frankly, that's just right then and there in itself speaks to the volume of how much that this coaching tree is going to start evolving even more. And I think that my number one takeaway and my real only takeaway is this dude is serious about evolving his offense, keeping things the same, but stop being predictable. What I haven't seen from this Bengals offense is that it's, it's not ev evolution. They're always running empty. They're in 11 sets, three wide receivers. They need, a, they need to evolve this what it is to look like and be like a 12 or 13 personnel, whether they want to run a two tight end set, a three back set, and a, and a couple of wide receivers and whatnot here and there. Sometimes you don't always have to put Jamar Chase on the field. Sometimes you don't always need all three receivers, all your weapons on the field. And that's why Dan Pitcher and, oh, I'm sorry, Brian Callahan moving on and becoming head coach, let's shake things up a bit in a positive way. I needed to see the Bengals evolve. I really do. And I think Dan Pitcher is absolutely serious about that. And, you know, his emphasis on running the ball was absolutely spot on. They know they need to run the ball, and it's going to look different for every team. But at the end of the day, as long as he knows that we're running the ball effectively and responsibly and not putting the ball in harm's way, we're going to win a hell of a lot more football games because we got number nine at quarterback. So smart for Dan Pitcher, man. I can't wait to see what he does. 
whether if he's calling to get uh, whether if he's calling offense upstairs in the booth or if he's on the sidelines, that remains to be seen. And I know those questions will get answered as he goes through his tenure and his time. But man, you know, again, tip the cat to him because he deserved this position. Because I did not want to see him go somewhere else. That was my worry. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> smart on him for taking the job. I can't look around the league and see another offensive uh, coordinator position. It would be more fun than this one, especially when you have a good relationship already with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good time for him, I'd imagine. Um, now, my thing is this. I don't – please, Dan Pitcher, please do not be giving me lip service about running the ball. I, I'm a, I'm going to use the analogy of a child playing with its toys. If you only – if you got a, a room full or a toy box full of toys and you only play with the one toy – all you're going to do is beat up and wear down that one toy. Play with all your toys. Spread the love around. Play with them all. Because I think Amen. there's a lot of a lot of fun to be had here. So, enough with the coaches. We're going to get into some GM talk. And uh, we're going to focus on one player in particular before we get out of here. Uh, you know, next week we're, we're going to talk about some needs going forward and some of those things and what we're looking for the Bengals to do in the offseason as we start peeling that onion back and getting deeper and deeper into that the offseason. But we're going to start Duke Tobin, you know, making some comments at the Senior Bowl about T. Higgins. Uh, you know, we were talking about this backstage. I'm tired of the slice of the pie analogy. I'm going to have to give him something else. Uh, Maybe we can help him with this. Evidently, Duke Tobin loved pie charts growing up. I'm not sure. How big's the pie? That's my question. I don't like how big of a tin are they using to 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 make this? I think it's uh, the pie would be the cap, the salary cap, right? So what's the salary cap this year? Two forty. Yeah, I was just I was thinking actual pie. My fault. That's something else. But yeah, yeah. Maybe he just liked. Maybe he just likes pie, you know, or maybe That's he's a, a pizza question. guy. Yeah. Maybe he's a, a pizza yeah. guy, you know? March 14th is a really good day for him, I'll tell you that. Is that wait, hold on. Is that like free agency day? Like, because March 14th is pie day. I had to throw that out there, but shoot. <laughs> yeah, oh, so that would be one uh, other coincidence. The estimated salary cap. So your estimated pie is two hundred forty-two million um five hundred thousand dollars. So what Jeez. like fifty-five to play with? That's a lot of pie. Uh, but to mention that it actually free agency starts March 13th, so it's like a day before pie day. My fault, my fault, my fault. I didn't know that there. Oh boy, ah oh, man, I listen. I got a sound, I got a sound bite. I'm gonna find somewhere and I'm gonna be using it for you when you go when you go into these things. All right, all right, so here we go. Uh, Justin, I'm gonna run it right back to you. Uh, thoughts and comments uh, of T Higgins here and, um, just the team Higgins overall about getting, getting re-signed, sign a trade, uh, tag. Like what we, what are we doing here? What's going on? If you ask the internet and ask Twitterverse, they feel like that they're not going to keep T around that. There's people that is upset about that. We're taking the same exact approach that we did with Jesse Bates. And I, this is why I don't listen to the internet. There are some things that the internet can be good for, like getting news early and fast and often, but you also got to formulate it on your opinions and you got to do your own listening skill. You got to attribute your own listening skills before you go and start talking about stuff that really ain't true. Okay. 
my takeaway was not about that they don't know if they're going to be able to keep T Higgins or not, even though that's always the obvious quoted print there about like, Jamar's in our long-term plans and T Higgins, we want him back. But then you heard the pie analogy, you know, and stuff like, look, then Twitterverse pretty much just took it as like, when Duke Tobin goes with this pie reference, that means somebody ain't getting nothing. <laughs> you know, I heard that joke. But the reality is, is that it's legitimately true. I hate the pie analogy and it's annoying. Stop coming up with this reference. But it is a fact. But the thing is, we need the Bengals to evolve in the front office. That's the last part of this next step in this next wave of this Bengals culture that hasn't shown that it's been changed yet. Yes, we can go and get a free agent if we need to, and we can pay them the dollars. They did it with Orlando Brown Jr. last year. The next step is feeling like that you got the right – you position yourself to the right moment just to go all in, man. You got pocket aces, man. You got two couple – you got an ace on a flush draw. I'm sorry, on a flop draw. And then you got a couple of duds screaming around you the rest of the league. You might be able to get it all right there with trip aces on the flop. So with that being said – you may can go all in this offseason, and you can't be scared of being over the salary cap in future years. I don't care about 2025. I mean, I do, but I don't. I don't care too much about 2026. This next season is the perfect season that the Bengals can win the Super Bowl. And I just go to a win the Super Bowl. They've shown there's no fears of any team. NFC and AFC that tells me that, no, man, the Bengals got to show. They, no, the Bengals beat everybody. They know they can beat anybody and everybody at any given moment. So you might look at this offseason as a perfect position of yourself to go all in. But the telling sign of it is what you're going to do with T. Higgins. To me, I'll extend T. Higgins. Stop letting his agent factor into your financial plans. Stop it. Just extend him because you know he deserves it. If you're going to offer the tag and trade, you better have somebody ready to go and you better be able to get some strong assets in, in return from T if you're going to do the tag and trade option. But you don't want to do this whole tag them down, let them walk, and then extend somebody like Jonah Williams where you're going to come out of pocket even more. That makes no sense. And as I learned, they've tried to trade Jonah Williams. They had a few offers last offseason, but they didn't want to do it because that was going to put their line out of whack because they didn't know who was going to replace them. Well, this is the perfect offseason that people want to come and play for the Bengals because they know the position that you're in can really dictate that you can be the team that can go all in and dethrone Kansas City like you've already done before. So that's my overall comments that I have regarding his comments. And he's not breaking any news. He said that already, too. He's not willing to break any news. You already expect that out of Duke Tobin. But I just need them to know that if you're going to go all in, I'm not saying you got to make moves tomorrow. But you know that this is the offseason to potentially do it and live to fight another day in future years to come and not be scared about having to reload in future years down the road, man. I want a championship ring, man. I don't care how it looks. I just want a ring. And we all were frothing at the mouth for the ring. This fan base is feeling that angst and that pressure about it. And the front office should be feeling that too. All right, Tim, uh, thoughts on this T. Higgins situation? My only thought is, is we, we've got one or two choices. Well, three choices. We tag him, we sign him, or we cut him. Or let him walk. Not cut him, but let him walk. Um, I've been I've been saying this from the very beginning. We, we tag him, but, you know, that's like 20, well, like 20-some million if we tag Nin him. 19. Oh, is 19, it 19? 19, 19, 5. It, it's still, we'll call it 20 anyways. You know, it's 20 million to, to tag him. You know, the market price for T. Higgins right now is what, like twenty-three million a year? 
21 million a year. Yeah, he wants 24 is what, what, what I'm hearing. Okay. So if he's not willing to make a deal with us and, you know, and if we can't keep him at the same time, we tag him for a year and then we move on, you know, we move on from him the next year or we trade him, whatever we do to do with him. You know, there's, it's like what we're, as an organization, we're in a rock and a hard place with T. Higgins. It's like, you know, you have one or two options, three, one of three options, whatever it is. And I understand what kind of player T. Higgins is. For me, if I was a, if I was Tobin or, you know, whoever was making this decision, I'd franchise tag him this year, see how he plays out through this year. Because last year, if we look at last year's stats, yeah, he, 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 he had some good games. He had some bad games. He had some no games. So, you know, is he worth giving $24 million, you know, for the next three three years, next four years, whatever it is, whatever his contract's going to be? I don't know. You know, it's T. Higgins. I understand that. Everybody's like, oh, it's T. Higgins. You guys got to do what you got to do to, you know, keep him. But in the long run, like we have Joe Burrow's contract coming up. We have Jamar Chase. We have to re-sign. You know, so it's like we got this money that we have to this like like Justin said, this year is the year that we need to worry about winning the Super Bowl. And that and that's and that's exactly what I agree upon. We decide what to do right now to win the Super Bowl in 2024 season. And that's going to be either tagging, you know, tagging T Higgins. I'm going to jump in here real quick because what I want to say actually goes on this, Chase. So I, I apologize, but I'm going to put no, you last on this one. I don't – I'm not the all-in, figure out what you got to do with the Super Bowl uh, this year, tagging, do this, do that. I'm – do the right thing, build this thing for today and tomorrow. I have 100% in on if we have Joe Burrow, our window's open. So when I look at T. Higgins – I love T Higgins. First of all, I see a freak of nature. A 50, 50 ball is normally 70, 30 T Higgins going to come down with, um, love that kind of athleticism. Love that kind of thing. Soft tissue injuries worry me. Uh, A lot of hamstring issues, you know, um, when you start looking at $24 million a year, 20 plus that starts worrying me a little bit, how we got to build this team. If it's, you know, this year, T played 12 uh, 12 games. He had 42 catches. The tight end room, which we all rated like C, C minus, C plus, had a, a young man in Hudson who played 12 games and had 39 catches. Is that the same athletically? Is it absolutely not? Absolutely not. But T. Higgins was fourth on the team in catches, only played 12 games. He was behind Joe Mixon, just in front of Tanner Hudson. So do I feel like we can find a replacement that would make our team still be dynamic? Yes. Now, that same breath, there was 121 snaps that the big three was on the team or on the offensive side for in this past year. In those 121 uh, snaps, 
the Cincinnati Bengals had the number one ranked offense in the league. So I get it. Like he's really good. We have to have, if we do get rid of him, we have a wide receiver draft this year. That's really good. Make that a priority to go get a stud. Don't do what you did last year when you had a tight end class that was really good and you had an opportunity to get a stud in rounds one and round two, and you didn't do either. If, if, if we've got somebody in the draft, it's really good. Get them by all means. All right. Chase, sorry about that, but I, I had I had I had to roll in there. Go ahead. All good. Lines and tangent. Um, whatever happens with the T. Higgins thing, you got to get something out of it. It, you know, I, you, you just can't let him walk for nothing. You got to either franchise tag him and trade sign him, and trade, yeah, or yep, or you got to sign him to an extension. And I want to sign him to an extension. Um, you've seen many different ways that people can cartwheel around the, you know, the, the salary cap. There are ways to do it. You don't have to concede or fear Dave Mulligetta. I'll drop his name. I don't care. You don't have to concede to him. You know what I'm saying? Like you can find a way to, you know, to try to keep T here. It's going to be tough. That is, you know, nonetheless, but you can still find a way to keep T here. And again, you know, you have him, Jamar on the field with Joe Burrow. It's it's a trio that is you know, that that's close to unstoppable. It's been the new offensive coordinator, all that stuff. But you gotta try to find a way to keep him. You have to. I I, I don't think there's a there's another other way to say it. If you don't, you gotta get something out of it. If you do keep him, well, there you go. The good things can happen from it. So um I'm just keeping it really basic. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. There's a lot of contract talks that'll That'll come from it with, you know, whether they sign him, whether they tag him, whether they tag and trade, release, you know, not release. I mean, let him walk. We'll see what happens. But I want T. Higgins as a bangle, and I think it gives us the best shot to go win a Super Bowl. Hmm. That T. Higgins on the on the team probably does give us the best shot to win the Super Bowl next year. Here's what I do know. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, it works. They went at a high level with those three guys alone. Mm. Figure the rest of it out, honestly, in that, that whole retrospect. But then again, don't make stupid decisions. At the end of the day, we're not saying go out there and pull a Buffalo Bills move and give Von, get a Von Miller-like guy that's past his prime yeah. a six-year, $120 million deal. That was stupid. Like Even when the deal was announced, I was like, really? <laughs> you know this is best years behind him, right? But don't do nothing like that. You know what I mean? You still got to make tough decisions, and I understand it's going to be difficult and it's not easy, but evolve. You got to figure out a way past it. Yeah. I Listen, I get that. I get the whole evolve argument. I'm going to say this. Evolve. Tag him. Trade him. That's what – that. listen, that's where I'm that's at with it right now. That's also it, yes. an evolution because yep. they don't do that either. But mm-hmm. I, that's what I would do if I were them right now. I mean, you're at a situation where he's averaging 64 catches a year, a season. You've got a guy that's going to be, in my mind, a perennial 100-catch guy. You can get somebody else there. I think you get Tyler Boyd out. I think you get better. Yeah. I think you get better with moving people in and out. What what happens when you don't have Tyler Boyd that can only play in the slot, and now you got Jamar Chase going in and out, slot, outside, all over right. the place? Right. You know what I was going to say, too? 
for all those that's because you got a lot of teams that are fucking at the mouth for the, the for T Higgins to walk so they can pounce on just because to prove the notion that the Bengals don't want to pay their guys. Actually, they do want to pay their guys. So how you can do that to leverage that in your ball court, your uh, ballpark is still a playbook from the Ravens last year when they was dealing with the fiasco with the Lamar Jackson contract. They put an exclusive rights tag on Lamar that if you want them, you better give us two first round picks for them and you better assign them to an extension. You want them? Go ahead. Crickets. So you, I'm not saying you got to do the exact same exclusive rights tag, but you better do something to kind of create, be creative in that aspect. If you're going to do the tag and trade, you want T. Higgins, you sign him to an extension, and you give us a first and or a second round pick, you know, plus whatever the case may be, plus some little complex or whatnot for T. Higgins. You said you think that he's that dude and he's great and th this team should trade for him. You would like to see him on your team? Give us that for him. Give us that form. Let's see how. Let's see if you feel the same way now. Watch their tones change, and then in that respect, then that's when you can go back to like, okay, T. Higgins. Now that we got the birdies out the way, and your agent can kind of not be whatever it be, whatever how he's negotiating his little leveraging power, do something like that, and that's how you can really shut it and get shut this thing down and get this deal done real fast, in my opinion. Because, dude. I thought Lamar Jackson last season, last offseason was all but out the door. He even put in a request on tweeted out saying that he had a trade demand and everything. And he was requesting a trade from the Ravens. And yet they were able to fully find commit to a deal. And he didn't even have an agent. You know what I mean? So whatever the hell that looks like, man, I think that the Bengals just need to understand that they just got to get better with all this stuff, man, and stop going with this old outdated approach and sell us on pies analogy and stuff. Because yeah. it's not. We're not fooled by that. We're too smart for that as fans these days. This is an honest question. I, I don't know. D does anybody know? Can you do the exclusivity tag on a second round pick? Because you got T was the first pick in the second round. That, that's a really good question. Good question. That's a really good question. I don't know. Pick that up. I don't, I don't know. Do know. Yeah. But I mean, that would be a great situation. That would be a great situation. Have the ball in our court. That's the huge thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, that. It, it, I, if you could give me a second, a third, or a, if it was a better team in the second half of the draft, give me a a, a first and a third or fifth round I, in a heartbeat. A first and a third. Give me a first and a third, and you sign them to the long term extension. That's that will be my asking price. Adios, give me two those. picks. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm getting something in return for T. Otherwise, you leave me alone, and I'm going to sign T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dig it. All right. Well, hey. Bengals fans, that's going to be a wrap for us. We apologize for keeping you so long, but hey, when you get four gas bags on here talking about football with the passion we got for Cincinnati Bengals, Just sometimes it's going to happen, man. Uh, uh, three gas bags and Tim. You're probably right, yeah. Um, Tim, <laughs> Tim can only talk about running the ball for so long. You know, oh, I, mean? I can run. I can talk about running the ball all day long. But uh, But we appreciate you guys rocking with us. Please, if you haven't, hit that like button, that thumbs up, that subscribe. Go ahead. Give us those five-star reviews. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Share us with everybody you know that's a Bengals fan. And catch us again next week as we are running through the jungle.